Fisheries Perspective. Hello and welcome to this edition of Paris Perspective with me, David Coffey. The 29th of May 1942 was the date that the Nazi occupation of northern France issued its eighth decree or ordinance that banned Jews, be they foreign or French, from appearing in public without wearing a yellow star of David on their left breast. Eighty years on, the infamous yellow star represents not only anti-Semitic persecution, but has also become a symbol of resistance, the struggle and perseverance in the face of adversity, when when the hour came, victory. Now, on Paris Perspective today, I'm joined by Robert Egenes, the executive director of the Representative Council of Jewish Institutions in France, to look back at this dark period in French history, take the temperature of the current situation regarding anti-Semitism in France, and the political political affiliations that openly represent or support France's Jewish community in 2022, which is, of course, an election year. Robert, you're very welcome to the programme today. Thank you very much, David. So a quick recap on the 29th of May uh, 1942, French Jews under the Nazi occupation were given just over a week to present themselves at police prefectures and mayor's offices to actually buy their yellow star. These were not given out freely. This, of course, fed into the Nazi obsession with the identification of a hidden enemy in their eyes for propaganda purposes, also for the stigmatization and humiliation of Jews. And this came from back from the big propagandist himself, Goebbels, picked up then by Himmler, to eventually uh, Reinhard Hedrick, uh, who was the Nazi's central security uh, head, who latched onto it first, I believe, in Poland. Now, just... What are the accounts of people's reaction in Nazi-occupied France who were obliged to wear the yellow star back then when that decree came through? You, you talk about the, the history with the big age. Let me talk about the history with a small age. Hmm. I will tell you about my mother. Ah. My mother was uh, born in Paris. She was living in Paris during the war. In uh, May um, 1942, she was 20. And I recall her saying, her remembrance of the obligation of wearing the yellow star. Jews were afraid of walking in the streets even before uh, during the war because they were aware, they were afraid of being arrested. They were afraid of any type of control. But when the yellow star came and they all were, wore it for the vast majority of Jews, she was afraid when she was riding the metro, she was walking in the streets that somebody would come and check if it was well sued on her uh, label. And, uh, and, and that augmented the fear that the Jews in Paris, in France, in northern France, um, resented uh, from the uh, Nazi occupation in, 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 the, in the time. That is also the first step that led to the rafle and the big rafle de Veldiv mm-hmm. in July, uh, where my grandparents were arrested and deported. And uh, so it's a lot of emotion when talking about this yellow star. It's not just somebody you can play with and will come back to to it, and or you can make it a symbol of whatever. Mm-hmm. It was a sign of discrimination, 
put on the Jews the same way it had been put with the Ruel in France in the, in the 14th century. Um, so it's only bad memories. Now, indeed, what happened to people? I mean, there were a lot of people, especially these were middle-class uh, Jewish people living in France. Uh, what happened if they didn't actually conform to the Nazis' new rules? What was actually um, their punishment? Arrested. They were arrested immediately. Even if it was not, it was not sufficiently well sued on, mm. on their uh, jacket, uh, they were just arrested, or if they had a, a coat in, uh, on top of it, or if it was not seen, it was discovered, there was e- they were immediately arrested in the street, and very often not to uh, survive. Yeah, not to be seen again. Not to be seen again. Indeed, there are, um, just going about uh, how the actual star was fitted, there have been stories where people put them with clasps, with pinned clasps, so they'd be able to pull it off and put it back on uh, easily without being detected. But obviously, uh, the, the, the Nazis were aware of these tricks that might have happened. Uh, and if you read it, if you read the Eighth Directive, you see that it had been, it has to be sued very uh, uh, tightly, tightly mm. on, on, on the uh, jacket. It's not just a sign or a pin that you take from one coat to the other. If you have several coats, you have to buy several stars. If you have several, if you want to change every day, you have to, to buy as many as, and as you mentioned, you have to buy it. Yes. Yeah. And by July then, um, Jews were banned then. This is only a month uh, after, um, well, just over a month after there was the uh, ninth uh, ordinance, a directive that came on the 8th of July, where Jews were banned from cinemas, theatres, swimming pools, parks. Um, and this only came a week before what you brought up there, the uh, infamous uh, Rafle Veldiv, which was when all of the Jews were assembled in this velodrome, uh, not too far from where we are here, near the Eiffel Tower, um, that were rounded up for deportation to Auschwitz and I'm sure other um, extermination camps. But for those who weren't um, picked up and brought in and assembled uh, at the uh, Veldiv uh, occasion, if you will. Was there anything that could have been done or was being done for those who actually escaped that first uh, uh, rounding up? Uh, yes, first of all, there is not only one uh, roundup. There are many roundups in France for the whole year of 1942 and, and 1943 for some. Um, Again, let me come in with a personal story. Please do. And, and the story of uh, this time, my father and also my mother, they started uh, moving into France to uh, escape the arrestations and, and the denunciations also. And when telling the story, you have to always mention the two sides. One was the sides of the denunciations, People were denunciated. My grandfather, my grandfather was denunciated because he had a store in uh, Rue du uh, Faubourg Saint Antoine, mm. and uh, he had an apartment. But uh, at the same time, many people helped the Jews escape. They uh, they hid them uh, in the countryside. Very often, families. These are the just among the nations, and and this is history. History is not black and white. History is always within the, the big history. Um, you have the, the history of the people, the small people, as you mentioned, the middle class people who did not accept, even for the Yellow Star. You, we have many um, d- stories of people who have 
shown their solidarity for the people who had to wear them. Uh, so it, it was both sides. And indeed, there wasn't the, there weren't repercussions as well for anybody that were, was found helping out with Jews, where they had to wear a band around their wrist, arm as well, they saying could, "I mean, they juifs as in friends of Jews to be stigmatized themselves." They could be arrested as well, uh, as, as well. Mm. And very often, the people who helped the Jews, and they were really the people who we call today the just among the nations, they really took risks with uh, their own lives, mm -hmm. and uh, they could be arrested, they could be deported, they could be killed, not to be seen again. And, uh, and, and it's important to understand the, the psychology, the sociology of uh, the country at the time of war. And tell us about, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking specifically or we're opening our conversation specifically today talking about, well, occupied France. That's the northern part of France, uh, one could say, geographically above the Loire. Of course, then there was the administration down south. That was uh, Pétain's uh, Vichy administration. What was the situation down there at, this, at that time? Um, the Vichy administration refused the, uh, that the Jews were the yellow stars. We don't know the motivations. Uh, we don't know whether they were afraid, they, they, it was ideology, or whether they were afraid that the population would definitely not accept. Let's remember that uh, not all countries have accepted, and at the end, of, at the, end the Jews in the southern part also did uh, wear the star. Let's remember that in Denmark, the king yeah. said he would wear the uh, yellow star should his subjects be uh, obligated to wear it. Same in Morocco, which was not directly under German occupation, but it was a French, uh, French concordate. Mm -hmm. And the king of Morocco said all these subjects were not Jews or Muslims or Christians. They were all Moroccans, and nobody under his um, kingship would yeah. uh, wear a yellow star to discriminate one against the other. But I, if I get my dates right, by the end of um, 1942, uh, in, by December of 1942, Vichy France would still have a stamp on people's identification cards Definitely. saying that they were Jewish. Definitely. They, so, they did put the red stamp, hmm. Jews. And that was the was that, was that the compromise maybe between the, uh, the 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 public display and having it in your pockets. That's right. Now, in more recent times, uh, the yellow star has been appropriated as a symbol of resistance against authority. Uh, indeed, most recently, has been used in the protests against COVID vaccination, uh, the anti-vaxxers. I mean, how does the Jewish community in France view this? Well, one could say historical appropriation in a modern context. Very sadly, mm. it's a historical, uh, how do you say? Um, confusion. Confusion, mm. because it's not a sign of, uh, for the Jews at the time, it's not a sign of, uh, of resistance. It's just a sign of discrimination. It's just a sign that you are being separated from the, uh, the French population just for being Jewish, not for anything you choose to do. And therefore, it was... I remember last year when we had the uh, roundup, the Veldiv roundup uh, ceremony, we had Mr. Schwartz, 92 years old, who expressed his wrath about these people who allow themselves to use what he had worn as a sign of discrimination to be a sign of resistance. Mm -hmm. and, and there was really uh, non-understanding 
and and uh, confusion. A sign of confusion. I mean, it it was not it was not uh, it was really not appreciated. It was really not uh, not nice. And in a more let's just say on the higher levels of the political scale, I mean, how um, is Francis say let's put the participation at the Auschwitz Memorial uh, where um, President Macron presented himself in a very solemn way? And of course, there's been recently at the end, uh, well, it was I think October of 2021, this uh, museum that was opened uh, here on the infamous Dreyfus affair. But like, how have these overtures by the head of state or let's just say the politicians in charge, how are they viewed upon by the Jewish community? Do they think that that's enough? Is that, uh, does, that, uh, that is, does, that, does that still give a nice salve and say, yes, we are still welcome, we're still very much an integral part of France? You're asking several questions. Sorry, in your question. they're loaded. <laughs> okay, they're really loaded. Let me first say, Jews have lived in this country 2,000 years. Um, in the, at the turn of the millennium in, in the Middle Ages, the, um, one of the most uh, famous rabbis was French. He lived in Troyes. He's, all, he's still the one who is the most quoted every day in all the studies of the, of the Bible and the, of the Talmud every day. His name is Rashi. And uh, so France has really deep Jewish roots. Jews have been in in the country in all the uh, sections, scientists, political, uh, arts, uh, journalists, whatever. Military. Uh, military, yes, and, and we'll come back to uh, Dreyfus. And, and therefore, it's very important to remind the Jewish part of the French history. And many historians have, uh, are working, have been working and are working today on the subject. Concerning the Dreyfus affair, it's, 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 I think it's very important in the Zola Museum because this is a very important part of the uh, French history, not only of the Jewish history. It's the story of a French military uh, captain who was accused, falsely accused, of being a traitor to Germany. And uh, there was a trial and the second trial and the third trial, it was... He, 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 he was, um, how do you say, um, uh, restored in his total rights and, and function, military functions. But France, it, it, it was really a time when France was anti-Semitic to the core of its political elite mm. and intellectual elite. And this is very important because we believe, I believe, that Understanding the Dreyfus affair is understanding what will happen uh, 50 years later. And the, basically the reaction in, in front of the Dreyfus affair, the anti-Semitism, the state anti-Semitism that existed, it was fought by people like Zola, of course, but the anti-Semitism that existed led to uh, the state anti-Semitism of Germany and of, of France and, and, and what's hap- what's, what has happened. So now the third part of your question is what's, what's happening when President Macron is inaugurating the museum for Dreyfus and the museum next to the museum for Zola. Uh, we're in, in, in a very different time where the 
authorities, where the elites are force at the highest level and in all the fields, or combating anti-Semitism and understand the importance of telling the story to the younger generation so that they can learn. And saying that, let me just may take a few seconds to pay my respect to one man who disappeared yesterday, who passed away yesterday, Mr. Elie Buzin, who was, uh, he, he was born in uh, Poland, but he, he was deported. He, he lived through Auschwitz and he came out at uh, the age of 15. All his life, to the very last day, he was a witness of what happened. Uh, in, in what he had lived through in Auschwitz, in, and he, he went back every year with the chief rabbi of France. And this man was fantastic. He was a doctor. He was fantastic. And he lived through telling history to the, to the young people. He passed away yesterday morning. On the last night, on his last night, he was telling the story to young students. So it really is important. It tells us a so important um, message that sure. we need to pass on the story. So the inauguration, I'm, I'm finishing on answering your question. When the, when the uh, French uh, president is inaugurating a museum to Zola next to the museum to uh, Alfred Dreyfus, he's telling a story. Indeed. And if anybody wants to find out more about uh, Monsieur Buzan, it's on uh, the, the CRIF.org uh, website, CRIF.org. And uh, indeed, it was uh, um, a very interesting man, indeed, uh, who really did keep the, f the flame flying to make sure that uh, generations uh, would not forget uh, the, the, the barbarism of the Nazi, Nazi regime. Um, but uh, now, I mean, we are speaking about uh, the current elite of France. Um, but what about anti-Semitism itself in France in 2022? Um, during the um, primaries campaign here uh, uh, earlier this year, there was the death of a young Jewish man, Jeremy Cohen. It, it really came to the fore within the, uh, the presidential, the, the first round debates. Um, he was killed while escaping a, a mob that was chasing him when he was run over by a tramway. And... Uh, it really pushed um, you know, the campaign in that direction ahead of voting. But there have been other things that have uh, really been uh, shaken the Jewish communities. There's a killing in 2018 of a Holocaust survivor, uh, Mireille Knoll in Paris, uh, that really resonates. And indeed, you mentioned the recent death of uh, René um, Hajed, uh, who was thrown out of a window. And this is an elderly man who was thrown out of a window in Lyon. Indeed, when the police start investigating these things, do they have difficulty in actually finding a motive behind it that is anti-Semitic? This is uh, what we expect that they do. You know, we have a big difference here with the British regime. In the British regime, if something like this happens, there is a presumption of anti-Semitism and the lawyers will try to prove that it, has not, it had nothing to do with it. In France, it's the contrary. And let me say first that um, since t uh, 2003, 12 people have mm. died in this country for the only reason they were Jewish, among which a young man who was killed in Paris and the, the four who, was, who were killed in Toulouse, in the killing of Toulouse. Did we mark the anniversary there? We, we just marked yeah. the 10th anniversary. Uh, the four that were killed in Hypercacher, and then Sarah Alimi, and then Miri Nord. Uh, 
And um, Sarah Alimi is really a, um, a black spot on the French judicial uh, system and something the French Jewish community has a lot of uh, difficulty to live with because we know now, a few years uh, after, that the motives of the um, killer were totally anti-Semitic. He was really going for her, and he wanted to kill. And he said, and he said on the very on this very day that he wanted to kill the shaitan, and uh, and the motives afterwards are known. The mm. fact is, he was not judge because um, he had consumed cannabis, and the law at the time, the law has been changed since then, uh, said that if he did not have um, his full consciousness. His full faculties. Faculties case, of yes, consciousness. Yeah. He couldn't be judged. And uh, this is why the killer, anti-Semitic killer, with anti-Semitic motives, uh, did go through without a uh, lawsuit. In the case of Mireille Knoll, you were mentioning, there was a lawsuit and they were condemned. Now, the two uh, last uh, affairs that you're mentioning, there's still enter inquiry from the police. Sure. And we're trying to, and we are following very uh, thoroughly that um, whether there are some anti-Semitic... The line uh, of investigation, uh, so, essentially, yeah. Yes. So, I mean, you know, we are in an election year. We, we have President uh, Macron that has been uh, given his five-year mandate. But, of course, uh, we're coming up to the legislative elections um, in uh, June here in France. Um, one question that also, you know, with your organization and with any, uh, you know, Jewish community or Jewish people, uh, you know, across France, um, how is the Jewish community represented uh, among, well, let's just say the highly polarized parties of French politics as they stand today? Let me say a word about CRIF. CRIF is the umbrella organization of the Jewish institutions in France. We are not a political Mm. organization we are our job is to represent the jews with all the constituents of the french society including the political constituents the presidency the government the uh, the, the member of parliament uh, but also with the uh, other religions with the with the intellectuals so that uh, we carry the voice of the jewish community um when I say we're not a political institution, we're not, we do not pretend to rule or to give indications as to uh, political votes, as to the French Jewish population, to how they should vote. The only thing we say regularly that people, Jews, but people, should not vote for the extremes. The reason we say that is our long experience. Yes, uh, empirical knowledge over right. the centuries. Over the say. centuries, we know that whenever um, the, the extremes come to power, it's not good for the Jews, but it's not good for the country. At all. And it, it brings me to my next question that um, there's been uh, an investigation has been opened by France's data privacy watchdog into the legality of uh, this uh, SMS text message that was signed by the 
one could say the extreme right, he's definitely far right uh, presidential candidate and uh, political pundit Eric Zemmour, um, who himself comes from a North African Jewish uh, heritage, uh, that was sent to, they believe, around 10,000 Jewish people on the last day of campaigning. And how is that met? Because in France, there are strict laws about targeting individual religious groups for any political lobbying, if it will. How is that um, perceived by, well, Grief, let's just say, as in you, you're, you are the organization that represents all right. strata of the Jewish community? Again, we're letting the justice mm. and the police do Look the investigation. It. Uh, it was not well met at all. And, we, and I think it, it's an error, a political error, and, uh, and that may, most parties would not make. Jews are not an electorate by itself. They, there are Jews that, that vote from the left to the right, and uh, everyone in, is in his own conscience. And uh, we're not giving instruction. That's what I said. I, we, we say, think twice before you cast a ballot for an extreme party because of historical knowledge. The impact that it can have not just on the community but also the country. Yes. Indeed, uh, Robert, this brings me to my final question. Uh, I recollect, uh, oh, it must be 20 years ago at least now, the, um, when former Israeli uh, Prime Minister Ariel Sharon lambasted France. This was a huge polemic back then as being the most anti-Semitic country in Europe. And he opened fast-track return and settle options to French Jews to Israel. However, um, I don't know if it was Kif itself, but there was um, a, a big riposte that came from representatives of the Jewish community in the media who said, excuse me, we are French first, we're Jewish second. Now, does that still stand in 2022? Definitely, definitely. We, we're still, and that stood before mm. when uh, the chief rabbi of France, Jacob Kaplan, said when he was accused, the Jews of France were accused in 1967-68 of double allegiance to France and Israel. And he said, we are tight to Israel for historical reasons because for 2,000 years since the Jews have been chased from Jerusalem, we have repeated in every Jewish house next year in Jerusalem. And therefore, we, we definitely have tied to Jerusalem. We have do, definitely have tied to the uh, land of Israel, to the state of Israel. Uh, but uh, we're French, and we, uh, the same, he said, the same somebody loves his father and his mother, we can both love France and love, uh, have a love for Israel. So French Jews are French, and uh, yes, they have a special bond to, to, the, uh, to Israel. Uh, it doesn't make them Israelis like many, including some journalists, do think. The, uh, all French Jews are not Israelis and far from it. And, um, and there is a difference. And we've lived, again, in this country for 2,000 years. We are, the French Jewish community is definitely of French culture and uh, shares with the country the same values of liberté, égalité, fraternité. And we fight for it. And we fought for it in history, in the wars, but also in political battles. And we're very attached to the French values and principles. What we remind all the time, what um, the former uh, Justice Minister of Canada, uh, Irving Kotler, said, anti-Semitism starts with the Jews. 
never ends with the Jews. So this is what we are trying to remind to our country we feel so deeply concerned about and so, um, so proud of. We'll leave it at that. Uh, Robert Eznes, the executive director of CRIF, uh, which is the, uh, the council, the representative council of Jewish institutions here in France. Uh, thank you very much for talking to me today on uh, this uh, uh, interview in which we're uh, remembering the 80th anniversary since the Nazi occupation decreed French Jews must wear the Star of David here in France. Thank you very much for thank being you, on the David. program. Thank you.